All right, let's gather back together. Always enjoy our times of fellowship. We will uh, continue to enjoy fellowship. I know a group is going out to Sophia. It's a great way to uh, fellowship post-worship. encourage you to continue to do that in your own ways as well. Well, let us uh, dismiss the young people. I don't know Miss Vicky's teaching, so uh, if you'll uh, follow her, those K through fifth grade who would like to transition out of this experience for an experience tailored to them may do so. Of course, we have nursery care available for younger kids, and all children are welcome to stay throughout the entirety of worship. Those who go to the children's experience will return before the end of worship. That's the speech. So let us have a word of prayer as the children transition to their experience as we are uh, steeped in prayer today and throughout this series. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit into this place and into our presence, into our hearts, refreshed and renewed in this moment. We ask that you truly awaken the Spirit within us, that you allow us to hear your word. New, perhaps with fresh ears and uh, new perspectives. We ask that you truly help us not only live a life of prayer, but live prayer as a lifestyle. We ask that you truly uh, allow us to come together to listen, to learn, uh, to be encouraged in this forming time. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you once again to New Life. I am Mark Myers, the pastor here, and we are in the final week of our four-week series called The Circle Maker which is based on a book by Mark Batterson, and if you have not read it, uh, excellent, uh, excellent resource to read, uh, excellent thing to do. And you are, of course, invited to form on Wednesday night at 5.30, where we will delve into this deeper. I also want to in, uh, welcome all of those listening online and all of those joining us on our podcast. Uh, we uh, thank you for listening, and we uh, thank you for being part of our community, uh, regardless of where you are as I look to the ceiling. Now, on a Swedish island, which I cannot pronounce, Vicinso, I believe, is at least how it's spelled. Uh, any of you good Swedes, uh, my Swedish is a little rusty. I didn't grow up with uh, my great-grandma uh, like my brother did, so my Swedish is a little bit rusty. But there is a mysterious forest, and that's a picture of the island a mysterious forest on the island of oak trees. And it is mysterious because on that particular island and in that particular region, oak trees are not native. You would not find oak trees naturally. And so its origin was rather mysterious. And it was unknown for over a hundred years. People had no idea why there was this huge forest of oak trees on this tiny island outside of Sweden. Then in 1980, the Swedish Navy received a letter from the Forest Bureau telling them that their order for naval lumber was ready. Now, this puzzled the Navy. First, because in 1980, they no longer made ships out of wood. Second, because no one remembered placing such an order. And so they did a little historic research. And they found that in 1820, 
9, 150 years prior, the Swedish parliament, recognizing that it takes oak trees 150 years to mature, decided to plant 20,000 oak trees on this little island. And they did that because they thought by the 21st century, lumber would be in shortage. And, of course, they were correct. So, in 1980, the order came due. And those oak trees became a product and owned by the Navy. Now, that's thinking long. That's thinking far out to come together as a group of people and say, well, 150 years from now, we might need more lumber for our ships. So let's plant some trees. Now, there was one dissenter, a bishop in the Swedish parliament, and he said, I love the idea, but maybe in 150 years, boats won't be made out of wood. And of course, he was right. But the idea was great. So one dimension of thinking long, kind of casting out a long vision, is thinking differently. And prayer is the key to both. If you want to think over in the distance, if you want to think differently, you have to be centered in prayer. Prayer doesn't just change our circumstances. It literally changes us. It doesn't alter external realities. It alters internal realities. So we can see things fresh with spiritual eyes. It gives us kind of a spiritual peripheral vision. It corrects our nearsightedness and enables us to see beyond our current realities, beyond our circumstances. So we can see beyond ourselves and we can even see beyond time. Now, it's not enough to dream big and pray hard. And those are things we've been talking about. You got to dream big. You got to pray hard. But you also have to think long. If you don't do that, you'll experience high degrees of disappointment. Why is that? Because we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year. We tend to think we can do a lot in a very short amount of time. But we tend to underestimate what we can do in a decade and what we can do in a lifetime. The bigger the vision, the harder you'll have to pray and the longer you'll have to think. But if you keep circling, it'll come to pass in God's time. Now I want to turn to Daniel. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 through 13. Daniel is a great book if you've never read it. Uh, It's got everything. It's got great stories. It's got vision and prophecy and teaches us all kinds of wonderful things. And this passage is going to teach us a little bit about prayer. So Daniel chapter 10, just verses 12 and 13, and and I'll, I'll give some of the background of it. Uh, So it might seem a little confusing at first. Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And it has come, uh, and I have come to them in response. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to my rescue because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. Interesting. And if you have your Bibles, keep that open and 
uh, I, I think it's going to stay on the screen for a little bit, but interesting passage. Daniel, if you don't know what's going on, Daniel's having a conversation with his guardian angel, and, and really for, for one of the, the first times in Scripture, uh, angels kind of take uh, precedent uh, and kind of take the spotlight here in Daniel over and over again, although they've been running around before. And can you imagine that having, uh, ha- having that kind of, kind of experience? I imagine it was a pretty, pretty revealing conversation, and I imagine Daniel uh, keeping his guardian angel very busy, being thrown in lion's dens, being uh, thrown into circumstances time and time again that kept him unsafe and kept him unhealthy. And so that's what's going on. He's having a conversation with this angel. And like all angelic greetings, it begins with the phrase, do not be afraid. Because that's, I guess, what's in the angel manual. You have to start all your conversations like that. But the angel reveals certain realities about the spiritual realm that's really seen nowhere else in Scripture. And that's why this couple verses is so important. Now, we know, I think, maybe uh, on the surface that our struggles, what we struggle with spiritually, is not here in the material realm. There is spiritual warfare going on uh, in, in the spiritual realm good versus evil, raging on inside of us and inside of our world. And the angel reveals how prayer works in that struggle, how prayer works in that life. The angel says that this is not a struggle of flesh and blood, but it is a counter that you have to pray through. And the angel reveals that spiritual warfare is being waged beyond the curtain of of our consciousness, but that our prayers are processed in a certain and very powerful way. First of all, what does the angel say? I have to look here. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding, your words were heard. The angel says, Daniel, even before your words passed through your lips, your prayer was heard by God in heaven. That is so important. But it wasn't until the 21st day that he experienced kind of a breakthrough in his prayer. Because there was a spiritual oppression. And this may be challenging to some of you who think very uh, secularly and, and very in the moment. But, but I think it needs to challenge us a little bit. Because what's going on here, you, we hear the prince of Persian kingdom and then Michael, who's one of the chief princes. Uh, uh, let me put it into more uh, understandable words. What, is, what the angel is saying is there is an evil spirit that was blocking me from getting through to you. But because you prayed through, the archangel Michael broke that line. He combated that spirit and allowed me to push through so your prayers could fight, so you could be heard, and so that I could share with you the good news that I have to share with you. Again, this is, I think this is challenging because I don't know if we necessarily see that, but what's happening is Daniel is praying. And although God has heard that prayer, 
Daniel is not going to hear an answer unless he continues to pray and continues to empower that prayer because there are forces working against it. And we call those forces a lot of different things. In Daniel, it's the prince of the Persian kingdom, an evil spirit. So Daniel had to pray, and he had to pray through, even though there was no answer for 21 days. And we've already learned this lesson. First you dream big, then you pray through. That's how prayers work. Now Daniel is a great example of praying through because of his persistence. In fact, I I don't think there's any better example of persistence in prayer than Daniel. Daniel teaches us that you have to pray and that prayer needs to be something more than something you do a couple times a day. Daniel prayed on good days and bad days. He prayed throughout the day. He prayed in the lion's den. Believe me, I think we all would have prayed in the lion's den. But he prayed when things were going well. He prayed when he sat at the right hand of the king and he was an advisor to the king. He prayed with intensity and consistency so that when things were tough, he already had the ability to pray. He had the ability to do what was needed. He was persistent in prayer and that led him not to to a prayer life, but to a life of prayer. Not to a time each day, but to literally a lifestyle of prayer. Now the angel tells Daniel something else, that his prayers won't be answered soon, but in the future. Did you hear that? I've come to tell you about things that are not going to happen soon. I've come to tell you about things that are going to happen in the future. And that's important to to understand, especially in this story. Daniel could dream big all that he wanted to, and his dream, uh, from reading the Scripture, his dream was to see Israel restored, to see Jerusalem restored. Remember, Daniel is in uh, exile in Babylon. The nation of Israel had been destroyed. The temple had been destroyed. The people were exiled, and Daniel is living in that Uh, kind of diaspora, part of that exile. And he prayed that one day his people would be restored, that the temple would be rebuilt, that people would go back to the land that they were promised, and that they would no longer be servants, no longer be oppressed, no longer be away from their home. That's a big dream. But his dream would not be realized in his lifetime. That being said, and that being told to him by this angel that your dream, your prayer, will not be a reality in your lifetime. Daniel continued to pray outside his window, like in that picture, towards Jerusalem, towards the city he longed to return to, even knowing he would never set foot there. He continued to pray. He continued to see with spiritual eyes. Daniel prophesied that it would take 77s, or about 70 years, for his prayer to be answered, for his prayer to become a reality. The question I think we have to think, is it possible for us as human beings to pray continuously and dream and be optimistic and be encouraging for a prayer that's going to take 70 years to answer? And Daniel wasn't anything special. He was just a human. He was just a person. 
and he was able to do that. He was able to pray. He was special, but he was not any more special than you or me, I would say. He never stopped dreaming. He never stopped praying hard because he was thinking long. And that's what prophets do throughout the Scripture. We see prophets who think beyond their lifetime, beyond uh, their own uh, reality. He was looking beyond just the Babylonian captivity. He was actually looking to Christ's coming. And we see prophecy of the end times here in Daniel because Daniel wasn't just looking to Israel being restored. He was looking to creation being restored. And we have the first uh, apocalyptic literature right here in Daniel. Because he was looking not just beyond 70 years, he was looking to the end of time when God would truly restore things. And he prayed for that. He prayed for the Messiah to come. He prayed for the Messiah to come again and restore all things. That was the kind of prayer that Daniel lived. Now the thing that impresses me, I think, most about Daniel is even though his prayers would not be answered for 70 years, even though he knew that some of his prayers wouldn't be answered for millenniums, he prayed with a sense of urgency. I think for some of us, some of us who are more procrastinators than others, it would be really tempting to kind of lax off for 69 years and then pray really hard for that last year. Right? To pray really hard for a short time and then just kind of give it up. But Daniel prayed with the kind of intensity that he prayed in the lion's den when there were lions who were going to eat him. He prayed with that kind of intensity every single day, every single moment, full well knowing. I mean, it, just was, it wasn't even a hope that he was going to see Jerusalem. He knew he wasn't. But he prayed, and he prayed hard, and he thought long. Now, he had the ability to pray with urgency about things that weren't urgent. And I think that's an important dimension of thinking long. Drawing prayer circles often feels like a long and boring process. And it gets frustrating when you feel like you've been circling the same promise over and over and over again. You may start to wonder if God is listening to you, if God has heard you. Sometimes the silence can, can seem deafening when we circle a disease, when we circle our children who have walked away from the church, when we circle that dream, when we circle that hope. But it doesn't seem to make a difference. So what do we do? We keep circling for 70 years if we have to. Now Daniel teaches us a lot about prayer. He was in captivity in Babylon, but he dreamed big. He saw Jerusalem restore, even though he never experienced it. In the lion's den, while being oppressed, when living well, even when prayer was outlawed, and it would mean death, Daniel prayed. Now he also taught us something important. He taught us about fasting. And this is another dimension of prayer that's uh, very, very important. Fasting is the practice of giving something up, and, and we talk about it. Generally, it's food, but it doesn't always have to be. It's about giving something up to kind of bolster your prayer life and bolster your prayer power. 
In those 21 days, Daniel's prayer needed to be bolstered. It needed to be strengthened so that the message could get through, so that God could communicate to him. He needed that help. Now, Jesus taught us that some things can only be accomplished through prayer and fasting. There's plenty of stories, one particular about an evil spirit, and Jesus said, after the disciples were unable to cast that spirit out, Jesus said, this one takes prayer and fasting. Now, Daniel fasted several times throughout this book, and he fasted for 10 days and 21 days. He only ate simple foods, grains, nuts, water, etc. Many of you experienced that. And there are many books and blogs about what a Daniel fast is, and I own several of them. I'd be happy to lend them to you. But sometimes we need to go without something or give something up to kind of increase our focus, increase our intensity, increase our ability and our power in prayer. Now, before New Life was a twinkle uh, in our eye or anyone's eye, Roscoe United Methodist Church did a 21-day Daniel fast, and some of you were part of that. We fasted for 21 days. We prayed. We read Scripture. We met together in small groups, everything we could do. And it was an amazing time, and I want to go back to that time, that time of fasting and that time of prayer, to demonstrate that when you fast and you pray, you can empower your prayer circle. You can strengthen them. And that message can be heard and the results can become a reality. So I want to share five things we prayed for as a congregation and five things Jennifer and I prayed for personally. Here are those uh, ten things total. Help us discover and follow your will for the future of Roscoe United Methodist Church Ministries. Convict our hearts so we know with certainty whether to continue a relationship with Hilltop in the conference or to dissolve that relationship. Allow us to see your vision for the future of our church and our Main Street campus and our Hills, uh, Hilltop campus. Uh, again, some of, this is, some of these are going to be confusing for, for some of you. That's okay. Bring us closer together as your children and as your church draws closer to you and your son, Jesus the Christ. These are the ones Jennifer and I prayed personally. We pray that Jennifer gets pregnant and we have a healthy baby. We ask that Chris, Ben, and Jane find strength and comfort during Steve's illness. We pray that Kendra, April, and Jennifer have safe pregnancies and healthy babies. For the final steps of the adoption process for Jeff and Tracy, that they are going through, that it goes smoothly and the boys return home safely. And that those worshiping at Hilltop will continue to grow in faith and be connected to the church regardless of the outcome of this process. Those last five were ones we prayed personally. The first five, we encouraged everyone at Roscoe to pray. Well, here's the results two years later. Out of those 21 days, new life was conceived. Before March 1st, 2011, new life really wasn't even on the radar. It wasn't an idea. But after those 21 days, it became a reality. It was pretty much written down on paper the day after we ended. Now, we still pray those uh, fourth and fifth ones, bring us closer together as your children and your church, draw us closer to your son, Jesus Christ. But I think we feel as a congregation of new life that we feel closer to Christ and and to one another than we have uh, in, in our lives. That we feel 
truly blessed in that. Now, Steve, who we prayed for, he died immediately following that fast. But we were able to pray uh, and share in some really powerful moments of healing with his family uh, and our extended family. Our friends Kendra, April, and Jennifer had healthy and happy babies. I baptized one of them, one of the babies, I should say. Our friends Jeff and Tracy overcame some obstacles and have two precious boys in their family now. And almost all of those worshiping from Roscoe United Methodist Church here, uh, who were worshiping here at Hilltop from Roscoe, were connected to another church or are connected to New Life. Very few, if any, uh, did we lose contact with. Yes, and we continue. We continue to pray uh, a lot of these promises, don't we? Now that brings us to number, number six, that Jennifer gets pregnant and we have a healthy baby. A couple weeks ago I told you that Jennifer did get pregnant and that pregnancy failed. But I truly believe that that prayer was answered. As I said, Jennifer did get pregnant, even though the pregnancy failed. And, and here's the funny thing, I guess. It's a funny thing about how prayers are answered, and that's why you have to be careful about what you ask for and how you pray. But about a year after this fast, a little girl came into the hospital where Jennifer works who was not expected to live through the night. She was very sick and very hurt. And she's here today, a year later, healthy and happy. Sure, she has obstacles to overcome. But we believe that that prayer was answered in our lives. We have a healthy baby who is part of our family. Now, I tell you that, and I go through those ten promises because I believe fasting works. And I believe prayer works. And I don't have a lot of evidence otherwise. Circle making works. In just a couple years, all ten of those were answered. And we continue to pray for some of them. And we will continue to pray for some throughout our lives. And I believe the 15 prayer circles that I shared with some uh, of you on Wednesday night that I am praying, I believe all of those will become a reality. Maybe some of them won't be answered now or even in my lifetime, but I believe all of them will be answered. Some of those circles are big dreams. Some of those circles are thinking long. But all of those circles have to be met with me praying hard, praying through, and occasionally fasting. This is the work of the circle maker. And it is a wonderful work. And I promise you, if you get on your knees and put your head to the ground, you will be amazed at what truly happens. So I want to leave you tonight with a short recap of the entire series. Just a minute. And I encourage you, I encouraged you to start a 21-day period of prayer. If you have done that and completed that, I encourage you to start another 21-day period of prayer. If you started and fell off the wagon, get back on. Start over at one and keep doing it until you finish. If you haven't started, tomorrow's a great day to start. Tonight's a great night to start. So here is kind of the overarching thing. Circle making. We are called to be circle makers. To circle promises of Scripture, the promises God has placed in our lives. God can do amazing things if you invite God into your life through prayer. Next, we have to be able to dream big. We have to pray for things that are impossible without God's help. 
If we're praying for things we can do on our own, just do them. Pray for things that you need help with. Pray for things that need divine intervention. Pray for things you don't even fully understand. Then you have to pray hard and pray full, uh, pray through. Circle a promise until your feet are sore. So, several of us walked around uh, the northern subdivision this morning, and so maybe our feet are a little sore this, this afternoon, but I encourage you, pray until you can't pray anymore. Pray every day and pray more and more each day until you don't just live a prayer life, but you live a life of prayer so that your whole life is met with prayer. And finally, you need to think long. You need to keep praying. And you need to realize that God is outside of time and space. That God is simultaneously before you were born, after you die, and everything in between all at once. And so God understands the story and the picture in a lot bigger ways than you do. So let God give you vision. And let God give you dreams that you will never see in your lifetime. Let God help you plant 20,000 oak trees. Because someday your great-great-grandchildren might need some shade. Now the book of Daniel ends with visions ends with prophecy. It ends with some crazy revelation-like stuff. encourage you to read it. It's great. But it ends with a promise, and I want to leave you with that promise because I I just think it's so awesome. Uh, And and this is a promise we don't even have to circle because it's been circled a, a million times, and it's already a reality. God says to Daniel, get up, go. Because these words must remain secret and sealed up until the end of time. What God is saying is that our prayers never leave the gates of heaven. That when we pray, that God hears our words before we speak and those words stay in God's mind and understanding and heart forever. So get circling. Amen. Let's transition now to the uh, next part of our worship experience. encourage you to kind of keep a check on what's in your New Life notes. I encourage you, if you uh, are new to New Life, if you're not getting an email newsletter on Thursday morning at 6 a.m., some of you know, because I wake up at 5, and no, it's not how it works. Uh, please fill one of these out, put it in the offering baskets, uh, or fill out your pew pads with your email so that we can let you know what is going on. Make sure you read those every week. Um, I do put different stuff in it every week uh, so that you know what's going on, so that you can get connected and be part of our community, which is not just one hour a week or an hour and a half a week, but is uh, literally throughout the week. So, With all that in mind, uh, we will prepare to receive our offering tonight uh, and our tithes tonight, uh, but let us also um, be in prayer now as we transition for others in our world. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to worship, to gather together, to praise, to fellowship, to learn. We ask now that you 
be with all of those who need your love. We ask that you be with everywhere we stepped this morning as we did a circle of prayer around our community. We ask that everywhere we just placed our foot, every home that we saw, every person we saw just truly be blessed by our ministry. Help us share your word with them, your good news with them in a fresh new way. Lord, we ask that you be with all of those who lead us. Be with those who lead us uh, all over this world, those leaders in our nation and our communities. Help them truly, regardless of what they feel, what they're pressured to do, help them lead with vision. Help them lead us towards your kingdom. Help them lead us towards peace. Help them lead us towards unity. Lord, we ask that you be with all of those who serve us, our military men and women overseas, those at home, those who serve us as firefighters, police officers, emergency care workers, those who risk their lives to serve, whether it's in something noble or something simple. Be with those who serve us in ways that we neglect our lawn care workers, our waiters and waitresses, those who cook our food at our favorite restaurant, those who serve us in ways we've never even acknowledged. Help us serve them and help us become servant leaders in all that we do as a church. Lord, we ask for all and prayers and grace upon all of those who need your love, those who are weak, those who are alone, those who are desperate, those who are willing to give up life because they've never experienced new life. Be with all of those who are struggling with disease, with ch tough choices, with tough decisions, with overwhelming odds. Help us find them. Help us be your hands and feet. Help us heal when healing is necessary. Help us love where love is necessary. Help us redeem where redemption is necessary. Lord, most of all, we ask that you be with your church. Be with this wonderful body of Christ. Be with our denomination, our Northern Illinois Conference, our district, the Rockford District. Be with our cluster, the Harbor Cluster. Be with our parent congregation, our UMC, and all congregations who come join in celebration with us. We ask that you be with New Life, that you continue to encourage us Continue to help us think long, pray hard, dream big, pray through. Circle your promises. Now we ask that you once again empower us with your spirit so that we may praise you, we may glorify you, we may shout your name so that even the heavens hear. We pray this in your holiness. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.